بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد الحمدللہ This is recorded in Tabarani in his Kabir, 18-301, Hakim in his Mustadrak, 1-211, Sahih, Ibn Khuzayma, number 1492, Sahih, Behaqi, 3-63, and others. So, simply put, you perform the wudu and you're heading to the masjid, which is just like a normal daily deed in the believer's life. But what's happening in the unseen world? The two angels, probably referring to Kalam and Katibi, they start writing for you for every step, ten good deeds. So, if you have a hundred steps to the masjids, you're getting a thousand good deeds. But not forgetting, each one is writing ten good deeds. So, you get actually, if you take it literally, twenty good deeds for each step to the masjid. So why are you getting 20 good deeds for each step going to the masjid? Because Allah Ta'ala honors his guests. So even when you're approaching the masjid, Allah Ta'ala is graciously giving you these uh, rewards. And another report it mentions, going and coming to the masjid is just like jihad, fi sabidillah, subhanallah. Going and coming to the masjid is just like jihad, So this report is recorded in Tabarani in his Kabir 8-208. Going back to the Prophet ﷺ, it is mawdu, fabricated. As mentioned by Shaykh Al-Bani in his Ad-Da'ifa 5-2007. Therefore we relate it as a saying of the Salaf. And the reason I say that it's a saying of the Salaf is because other reports, they clearly mention that. So when you're walking to the masjid, and you're coming back, I from the masjid, you're like a mujahid taking the steps, I in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there's a hadith, for instance, in Sayyid Bukhari, which mentions whoever goes to the Friday prayer and walks, he is like he's walking in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jihad fi sabidullah. So again, there's supporting text for this. So think about that. These are just the humble steps towards the masjids. It is no wonder then that our beloved Messenger mentioned that performing wudu properly even in difficult conditions is one of the deeds which greatly removes one's sins. This is recorded in Tirmidhi number 3235 Hassan Sahih Ahmad in his Musnad 5-243 But note, to get these virtues you need to do wudu at home because he clearly mentions I in the first report, whoever purifies himself then goes to the masjid. 
So you're not sinful, obviously, if you perform wudu in the masjids, but you won't get this virtue. It clearly mentions one of the conditions to do wudu i.e. at home. So note again, Allah's grace i.e. He gives to His guests. But really this should not come as any surprise. For Sayyidina Abu Hurairah he relates that our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, none of your performs wudu perfectly, extending the water to the parts of wudu, then goes to the masjid, aiming at nothing but offering salah, except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then rejoice at his sight, just like a family rejoices when one of its members comes back after being away for a long time. Subhanallah. This is recorded in Ahmad in his Musnad number 7720, Ibn Khuzayma Sahih, and Shaykh al stated Sahih in Sahih, Uttarheeb number 298. So again, note another flawless report. You do wudu perfectly, meaning three times with all the etiquette. You go to the masjid and your aim is nothing but to offer salat, either obligatory salat, and who knows, maybe even the optional prayer. Then Allah the Almighty is so happy with you that just like a family rejoices when one of its members returns after being away for a long time. So imagine you haven't seen your brother, let's say, or sister, whatever, for years. And you see them suddenly. How happy will you become? That is how the Prophet described the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you perform wudu at home and then you come to offer the prayer in the masjid. So these are very important relations. Why? Because if you don't register this, the deed becomes mechanical. You know, one brother actually said that, you know, when he was in Makkah, because they're like robots. Because what do you mean they're like robots? He goes, they just put the cloth over their merchandise, they go to the masjid and they come back. He goes, but because I don't see any like, no passion, like robotic. So how have they got into that mind, mindset? Because they're forgetting what's happening. If you just remember yourself, 20 good deeds for each step. Allah is so happy like you know, you're seeing a family member for a long time. Allah is forgiving your sins graciously because of your perfect wudu. So note again, all of this is, and also jihad, peace of Allah. Right? And I also mentioned, if I can remember correctly, that in the grave, what are the four deeds that protect you from the side of the feet? One of the deeds is walking to the masjid. So it's a deed which is so mundane if you think about it. But how rewarding is it? So now if you reflect upon this, something very interesting you can observe. You haven't even started the prayer. So if you actually say to a person, just give the rewards. I know a deed that you get. Probably all your sins forgiven. It's like you're walking in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you go on and on and on. What do you think I'm talking about? Would he actually think that you're not talking about salat? Right? Because it's got to be. You're talking about salat. He goes, no. Walking to the masjid. All of that is lost if you pray at home. When people say 25, 27, that's just the, you know, the, the layer, the outer layer. You've lost out on so many blessings which Allah wants to give his servants. And note, these reports are not just for the males, for the females as well. Right? There should be, you know, facilities. If there is, then obviously they can pray in the masjids.
So then you've got the azan. In Abu Nu'im al-Hiliyah 7-285, Sufyan ibn Ujayna rahmatullahi he said, Do not be like the wicked servant who does not come unless he is called. Therefore, come to salah before the azan. Honoring the salat includes coming for it before the iqamat is called. So very interesting observation. The azan is a call. You're calling somebody to what? Either pray. And that also shows how great the deed of salat is. Salat is a pillar of Islam. You've got something which calls you to it. Have you got the azan for hajj? Have you got the azan for tawheed? Have you got the azan for zakat? Have you got the azan for Ramadan? Think about that. Why is there a specific call to this deed? Because salat is extremely beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here, this noble man from the Tabatabi'in, Sufyan ibn Uyayna rahmatullah said, he goes, don't be like that wicked slave, meaning when you have somebody working for you and he only comes when you call him. He goes, that's not really somebody that the boss, you know, holds with any value. You only come when you call him. He goes, that is a person who comes to the salat when he hears the azan. He was trying to come before. Adi ibn Hatim, one of the great companions of the Prophet he said, I've never heard the azan outside of the masjid. What did he mean by that? Amen. I'm ready. Right? So again, this is just habits, good habits to get into. The reward for going early for the obligatory prayer is immense. In Ahmad in his Mustad, Sayyidina Uqba ibn Amr, he relates that our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the one who sits focusing on Salah is like the one who is in constant obedience. And from the time he leaves his dwelling until he returns, he is from amongst those who are actually in the state of Salah. So let's break this down. Going early, otherwise this deed is not possible. Because the hadith says those who are sitting, focusing, are you waiting for the prayer? So if you go late, you're not going to get this, this virtue. If you go early, just waiting for the prayer, you are in a state of constant obedience. And from the time you left your dwelling until you return, you're getting the reward of salah. So think about that. If somebody says to you, I live quite far from the masjid. So you tell him, try and come a bit early before the prayer starts. And he goes, why brother? He goes, how long did it take you to come to the masjid on foot? He said, it took me 10 minutes. He goes, how long? So obviously 10 minutes to go back as well. He goes, that's 20 minutes. Yeah. And how long were you sitting? If you wait for the prayer, he goes, two, three minutes. So just for that sitting, you've got the reward of praying for 23 minutes. <laughs> but that's if you go straight back. What if somebody goes, like we're doing now, you're sitting listening uh, to a, you know, uh, a reminder. You haven't gone back home yet. You're still getting the reward of Salat. So isn't it worth just getting into a habit? If not all the time, every now and again, just to come a bit early. So you get these virtues which the Prophet mentions that allowed it. And similarly, if that wasn't all, our beloved messenger said, if he prays in the masjid, then sits there in. It is as if he is fasting 
in constant obedience until he returns. SubhanAllah. This is in Ahmad in his Musnad 4-159 and Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah stated Sahih in Sahih Ut-Targheeb number 454. So you go to the masjid and you offer a two-rakat prayer let's say Tayyat al-Masjid. The Prophet said you are getting the reward of fasting until you return. Allah Ta'ala throws another honor for you, another blessing. So what's fasting got to do with going early to the prayer? Who are we to complain? The Prophet mentioned it, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So look at what you're depriving yourself of by not coming early. And in the famous report, which we should all know, in Sayyid Bukhari and Muslim, Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu he relates, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was once late for the Isha prayer. When he came, he prayed, he then said, Indeed, you are all in salah, just as long as you are waiting for the salah. Indeed, you are all in salah, just as long as you are waiting for the salah. Now look how interesting. The full report mentions some sahabu were nodding off. The Prophet actually took quite a long time to attend the prayer. So they were waiting and they were nodding. So meaning it was a long time, you know, what, half an hour, an hour. Allah Ta'ala knows best. When he finally emerged and he prayed, he gave them the glad tidings. He goes, you were in salah as long as you were waiting. Meaning even though you were just dozing, literally. Allah Ta'ala is giving you the reward of salah. Now why is this actually quite tragic? Because when the imam is a bit late, people get agitated. And you know, obviously you could argue, maybe you need to go to work and you're on a timetable like on the day of Jummah. But generally speaking, let's say you haven't got any other commitments. Let him take his time. <laughs> right? You know, there's, but obviously, the Imam should cater for the people because they need things to, maybe they got appointments. But if you just come and be fine. Extra minutes are not for nothing. Getting paid for now. <laughs> Imagine you're working and your boss goes, you're getting paid for now until I arrive. Are you going to say, well, come quick? <laughs> Take your time, boss. <laughs> Take your time. Come tomorrow if you want. Get him paid for nothing. And there you go. Allah, Allah wants to give a pay packet for nothing. In addition, the pure and holy angels supplicate for your forgiveness. In Sayyid Bukhari and Muslim, Abu Huraira radiyallahu alayhi wa beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa the angels alayhi salatu wasalam supplicate upon one of you just as long as he is in his place of salah. He does not nullify his wudu. They say, O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, forgive him. O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, have mercy upon him. In addition, none of you leaves the salah as long as he is waiting for the salah. Indeed, nothing prevents him from going back to his family except the salah. So here, angels are making dua for you. You're waiting for salah. You haven't brought your wudu. And what dua? There's two duas they make for you. O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, forgive. O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, have mercy. Imagine if somebody says that to you. Would you like an angel to make this dua for you? Oh brother. Ya Allah, forgive him. Of course brother, I'd love to. But what immense deed must I do for that? No, it's not immense. It's easy. Come early for salat. And he goes, come early for salat. How early must I come? Well, if you want a minute dua, come a minute early. If you want two minutes dua, come two minutes early. But up to you. I think one dua of the angels is enough. But you need to have wudu. The Prophet goes, if you break wudu, they stop making the supplication for you. 
So no angels are playing for you. <laughs> so if you combine all these virtues, what do you notice? Salat Allah is throwing out all these blessings. <laughs> In another narration, there's the addition. In Sayyid Muslim, just as long as he does not abuse anyone therein, and he does not nullify his wudu therein. So there's another condition. The other condition is that you don't speak ill. You don't argue with anybody in the masjid. So shaitan obviously he's still operating within the masjid. So if he sees you coming early, he wants to take out your rewards. So he provokes somebody to like, you know, maybe start arguing with you. Say, brother, I've come here to argue. I've come here to get virtues. <laughs> and then he goes, oh no, but you know, I need to sort this out. And then he goes, oh, he's, there you go. You don't even realize that he's come to, you know, to, to, to provoke. Astaghfirullah. So putting this in a nutshell, one, can he not go a few minutes early to Salah to accrue the following rewards? Number one, the constant state of Salah until the prayer begins. Number two, the constant state of fasting until he returns, meaning to his dwelling. Number three, the angels alayhi salatu waslam supplication of forgiveness for you as long as of course you are in wudu and you don't abuse anybody there. So all of that is before you're even praying. So straight away you start realizing something. If this is the reward for the starter, what's the reward for the main meal? And there you go. So think about, you know, the build, it's called, it's, it's called a build-up. A build-up to the main event. Allah, Allah is giving you so much. Subhanallah, how the shaitan deprives us from such easy and incredible rewards. So, Let's look at some of the Salaf. How did they you know, acquire or accrue these rewards? Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib. So Sa'id, like I mentioned, when we were going through Abu Huraira's life, Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib was married to his daughter. He was his son-in-law. He's the most learned Tabi'in. He said, for 30 years, never did a Mu'azzin call to prayer, except I was already in the masjid. For 30 years, never did a Mu'azzid call to prayer except I was already in the masjid. This is recorded by Hafiz Zahbi in his Seer 4-221 with a Sahih channel transmission, Abu Nu'im al-Hiliyah 2-162. So how much reward is he acquired? People don't understand. You know, we hear the report, okay, mashallah, he came early. Good for him, he came early. No, no, you didn't get it. Because you don't know what he's got. He came early for 30 years. He heard the azan in the masjid. So he's waiting, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour for the prayer. Do you know what he was acquiring? The guy's bewildered. He goes, I don't know. When you go through the virtues, times that by 30 years. Did he invest properly for the akhirat? Also, Abu Harmala and Ibn Harmala, rahimahumullah, they're both related that Saeed had said, I have not missed the congregational prayer for 40 years. Mm-hmm. I have not missed the congregational prayer for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Recorded by Hafiz Zahabi in his seer, 4-221, Abu Nu'im al-Hiliyah, 2-162, with a sahih chain of transmission. 40 years. Mm-hmm. So when he goes, I'm going to admit it. He says, no, you mean 40 days? No. Mm-hmm. No, you mean 40 months? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. What do you mean he's not missed the, congreg- missed the congregational prayer? 40 years. Five prayers, obligatory prayers. Everyone in the masjid, 40 years, never missed. 
Now, why is this shocking? <laughs> because for lesser mortals, what did Rasulullah say? Mm-hmm. Our beloved Messenger said, that whoever offers the obligatory prayer in congregation for 40 days without missing the opening takbir, he has secured himself from hypocrisy and the hellfire. So who heard the hadith? Saeed. So we look at it and we're thinking, 40 days, I've got to get it in once in my life. Ya Allah, give me tawfiq. That's how we react to that hadith. How do you think he reacted? What is that? What did the Prophet say? 40 days. You know, Alhamdulillah, I've done it for 40 years. So there you go. Same hadith. To him it was like, this is too good to be true. To us it's like, inshallah, I've got to roll my sleeves up, try and get it in it. Some people fell on 35, you know, because when they lay up, say, oh, they changed time on me and I didn't know what happened. Like, no way, you know, start again and it, start again. You know, the way they're talking, like, you know, you've, you've finished them. Right? Just go for it again, brother. The whole of Ramadan and 10 more days, right? If Ramadan's 30 days, if you're not going to do it in Ramadan, when are you going to do it? Right? So again, notice, why did the Prophet mention figures? Because he's given you, you know, incentives. He goes, try and get that in. So he got it in, how many, 40 days in 40 years? So in a, in a year, 40 into 3, but 9, so 9 times 40. He did it 360 times, over 40 days, times about 360. Why do you think Abu Huraira gave his daughter to him? Because he was in market, right? Think about that, you know, who's he looking at? He goes, MashaAllah, Sayyid. You need to get married, right? Because I find somebody for you. He's <laughs> his daughter. Who do we look for? In market. He's a good businessman. He's a bit shrewd, isn't he? MashaAllah. Similarly, Qatada said that Sayyid ibn al-Musayyab had also related, Rahmatullah I have never seen the backs of the people's heads in congregational prayer for 20 years. <laughs> this is in Abu Nu'im al-Hiriya 2-160. Meaning, for 20 years, he was in the front south. So that's interesting. That shows that sometimes he didn't get into the front stuff. He was in the second. But he got 20 years in. But <laughs> he goes, 20 years? What did the Prophet say about the front stuff? Because if you knew that it was for the front row, you would draw lots. Right? Meaning is incredible. Somebody goes, I did it for 20 years. For one of them. And also, if that wasn't enough, in Abu Nu'im al-Hiliya 2-162, Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib, he once complained of pain in his eyes. So they told him, O Abu Muhammad, it would be good for you to go to Al-Aqiq and look at the greenery and to smell the field. That would help your eyesight. He responded, what then would I do to attend the Isha and Fajr prayers in congregation? What are you talking about? <laughs> so, so he's ill, imagine. He goes, go, go to the green. Akik is like, you know, a uh, couple of miles outside Al Madinah. So think about it. They thought he's really worried about his sight. What was he worried about? Isha, Fajr in congregation. In other words, he was saying, Are you asking me? to risk mm. Isha and Fajr in congregation. Mm. In other words, what's the matter with you? 
So what's his his priority was salat? His whole life was geared around salat. Are we geared around our salat? We've got to be honest. When I got time, they even say, don't say, brother. When I got time, I got time to do what? To worship Allah. I didn't mean that. You took words out of my mouth. Well, you just said it. When I got time, I'll come. As if something's more important than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Something's more important than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I've got to sort some out first. Sayyid ibn al-Masayyid, what else did he say? Rahmatullah Never had the time of Salat come, but that I had already got prepared for it. And never had any obligatory act of worship come, but I was already longing for it. In Abu Nu'im al-Hiliya 2-163. So he goes, whenever something was obligatory, I had a great desire immediately to do it. So for instance, when he, when he had to do the Hajj, he didn't dilly-dally. I'm doing it. What do we do? <laughs> How much is it this year, brother? Ten grand. Yes. Wait till uh, inflation goes down a bit. Hey, you got ten grand, don't you? Yeah, boy, you know. According to Shafi, he's like a delay, can't I? Did Imam Shafi delay? Rahmatullah. So this was his salah. Let's just take a brief in his other acts of worship. His fasting. Hafiz Zahabi in his seer 4-221 Yazid ibn Hazim rahmatullah he said Sa'id ibn al-Masayyib rahmatullah used to perform voluntary fasting frequently people rarely saw him eat during the day rarely he's always fasting so think about it now we're talking about his fasting okay he's fasting as well what about his hajj Abdul Rahman ibn Harman rahmatullah had said that Sayyid ibn al-Musayyib said, I have performed 40 hajjahs. Recorded by Hafiz Zahabi in his seer, 4 hajj 222. Hajj is an annual deed. <laughs> that means 40 years of his life he did hajj. Now if somebody does two hajjahs, you think this guy's a sheikh, right? You know, two hajjahs, multiple hajjahs. He's walking around like he's from his paradise. So why have I mentioned all of this? Because the Salaf, they teach by example. All you need to do if you had the honor was just to observe this man. If you were living in his vicinity, you would know he's on it. And at the same time, you would think, I'm not on it. And be blatantly honest, I'm not on it. Sayyid ibn al-Masayyib, what did Abu Huraira say to him? He goes, I earnestly make dua that myself and yourself will be in the market in paradise. And then he went on to describe this market. So why was he making a special dua for Sa'id? Because he, he had great affection for it. He gave his daughter to him. Sa'id ibn al-Masayyib, he was the one who rebuked Hajjaj. Hajjaj wasn't playing properly, Hajjaj bin Yusuf. So he stopped picking some pebbles and flicking it at him. So he's playing and he's getting white. And the people then thought, this guy is dead, Sa'id. What's he doing? And Hajjaj walks up to him, what are you doing? He goes, didn't your dad, didn't your dad teach you to play properly? And then he went, he stormed off. So the people goes, that was Hajjaj. So Sayyid goes, so what if it was Hajjaj? He's not playing properly. Then what happened? Sometime after, Hajjaj became the governor of Medina. And then they thought, you basically Sayyid, you might as well get ready for his janazah. So Hajjaj comes, leads the prayer. 
afterwards walked straight over to Saeed. People thought he's over. And then he thanked him. He goes, may Allah reward you. I corrected my salat. And the people were in shock because, hey. Right? So Hajjaj, he was a tyrant, but he valued salat. Are we uh, like Hajjaj? <laughs> Let's get down to the Hopefully, you know, a bit past that stage. But there you go, right? So Saeed, didn't, he didn't give a monkeys. Also, when when all hell broke loose in Al-Madina, when Yazid sent a force because they brought their Pledge of Allegiance, the only person who was in Masjid in Nabi was Saeed ibn al-Musayyid. There was nobody in there. They all fled for their lives. And the soldiers came in, they were Christians. They came in and they looked at him. They said, oh, he's that madman. And they left him. He was the only person who was playing obligatory prayers in Masjid al-Nabi. Which other Muslim has that honor? Now think about it. Let me ask you that question. Has there ever been in history where one Muslim, only one, was praying the obligatory prayers in Masjid al-Nabi? You think that's a strange question, brother. Of course, there have always been hundreds. No. There was a time when one person was praying. Who did Allah choose? Sayyid ibn al-Masayyid. And they asked him afterwards, because how did you know what time was the Salat? Because you, obviously... There was no watches those days, right? And he goes, I heard the azan coming from Rasulullah's grave. I heard Rasulullah, you know, the azan coming from his grave, telling me it's time for Salat. So this was the great Sayyid ibn al-Masayyid. So note, all of this should inspire us, you know, at least, you know, let's get our foot on the ladder. Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I have created jinn and mankind only that they might worship. That's the purpose you were created. What's the purpose of a car? Take you from A to B. What if you don't use it for that? Then you're mad. You bought something, you're not using it for what it's supposed to be used for. What's the purpose of a tree? Soak up carbon dioxide, give you oxygen. Right? That's the purpose of a tree. What's the purpose of this? You can work your all out, even your organs. What's the purpose of the heart? Pump blood. The kidneys purify your blood, lung purify the air. Then you go, and this is what really baffles people. What's your purpose? <laughs> then he goes, and he goes, what are you thinking about? Your purpose is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Are you doing that? Right, so again, note all of this is highlighting, and I specifically spend most of the time with regards to salat. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? سبحان الله وبحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك واذكر بالله من الشيطان الرجيم سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والاصل ان الصالحين في خصر الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات واصبحوا بحق واصبحوا بصدق الله